Hello, and welcome to Pod Sing Say, an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast, where every week we rewatch episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender and discuss them. I'm your host, Nicole, here with my co hosts, Jen, Steph, and Abby, and this week we will be talking about Book 2, Chapter 1 The Avatar State. With a trained Katara as Aang's new waterbending master, the gang prepare to head to Omashu so Aang can start learning earthbending from King Bumi. They're scheduled to meet Earth Kingdom General Fong at an Earth Kingdom base to be their escort. But when they arrive, he announces that with the power of the Avatar State, Aang can defeat the Fire Lord right now. Despite Katara's misgivings about the amount of pain and rage Aang has always held in the Avatar State before, and Aang's own fear of himself as a ruthless weapon of mass destruction, Fong guilts Aang into agreeing to try to invoke the Avatar State as a shortcut to winning the war. After a series of unsuccessful attempts, Aang decides to return to his original plan of honestly learning the Four Elements, Fong responds to Aang's assertion that the Avatar State only activates when he's in genuine danger by attacking Aang and pretending to kill Katara, and while the Avatar rages, Avatar Roku intervenes to tell Aang the truth about the Avatar State, that while in it, he is at his strongest because he's calling on the collective knowledge of all his past lives, but he's also at his most vulnerable because if he's killed while in the Avatar State, the Avatar Cycle will be ended forever. Meanwhile. Zuko and Iroh, still recovering from the harsh weeks following the Ocean Spirit's destructive rampage at the North Pole, are visited by Zuko's sister, Princess Azula. Azula tells Zuko that their father regrets banishing Zuko three years ago and now wants him to come home. Zuko's thrilled, but Uncle has his doubts about Azula's true intentions, and is unfortunately proven correct when a blunder by Azula's ship's captain reveals that Zuko and Iroh are not meant to be homecoming as valued royal family members, but as prisoners. They flee the ship, and while Azula announces that they are now officially wanted as traitors, Zuko and Iroh cut off their topknots to begin their lives as fugitives. Alright, guys! Season 2! Wow! <laughs> we just keep congratulating ourselves. We made it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're worth it. <laughs> we, we know our value. Um, so I guess we'll uh, we'll get right into probably one of the most major things in this episode. Azula is really introduced to us. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they did a pretty good job in this being her first sort of real episode in giving us a overview of her general personality and everything. Like they showed us the little bit of hints of her issues, like this whole almost perfect isn't good enough thing, her very polished, controlled lightning bending, which we haven't seen before, mm-hmm. to show that she's a sort of threat on another level. Mm-hmm. Obviously, her ruthless nature, the way she inspires fear in everyone, especially sort of in contrast to Zuko and Iroh's ship, like all of her crew are just terrified of her. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and of course, the biggest thing is how manipulative she is, because... I mean, even though they have hints of how she, the whole Azula always lies thing with the whole Zuko, you know, you lied to me as if I've never done that before. But we also get to see sort of how she lies, which is to say, not just the basic like, oh, dad wants you home to get them to come peacefully, but also just the little things that she did. I felt like were things that maybe I even didn't quite pick up on as much the first time, Mm -hmm. or maybe I'm just reading into it. I don't know, but how she she called him by his childhood nickname and she also mentioned that whole like you know in my country thing bringing to mind both the banishment and the fact that they're siblings and they have this family history and then when she tells him like oh dad wants to go home and she kind of does this little like 
I didn't have to be the one to come tell you this. You know, I'm not a messenger, Mm -hmm. which I feel like could imply to Zuko that his sister does kind of care about him. Yeah. Playing into what he wants. So I was just like, wow, there's a lot of subtle manipulation going on here. Mm -hmm. That's what I felt anyway. I don't know what you guys thought. right around the anniversary of him being banished too yeah where it was like the we when they opened on team zuko they were at that massage place mm-hmm. and it was like the three-year anniversary yep so i'm sure like that was also like she was playing into his extra sentimentality i'm sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah i felt like this was like a really perfect introduction to her character yeah and like really iconic just- <gasps> like her the lines like yeah, in this everything, episode <laughs> everything she says is just iconic the waves have already decided to kill you like yeah you know i have to decide if i have i'm totally botching it but like i forgot like <laughs> how how she was right from the get-go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like they wasted no time showing you exactly what she's like yeah what's funny actually i read on the trivia that originally she was gonna just like vaporize that guy on the spot and then they were like that's a little too harsh so then they yeah. just gave her that iconic line about the tides like (laughs) that's even better though in my opinion what i read and now i don't know if it's true or not was that the line about the tides was put in for was like a line that was just written for character auditions but they kept it in because it was so iconic and then uh the vaporizing would have happened when the guy accidentally called zuko and iron Mm. prisoners oh yeah but then they were like hmm maybe that's a little dark yeah (laughs) which i mean yeah, especially considering that, like, Katara gets fake murdered in this episode, too. Yeah. And, like, Aang breaks down to tears. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That whole thing was so intense. Yeah. But even with Azula, like, it was cool because so far we've only seen Iroh redirect lightning. And then we mm-hmm. actually saw her generate it. And yeah. their fight, not to jump ahead, but since we're on Azula, like, it mm-hmm. was really impressive because she didn't bend at all until like one time at the very end she shot off like a a small bit of fire just to like get him to back off and of course then we saw that it was the blue flame and it's Mm -hmm. like her you know she's a prodigy her her flame burns hotter naturally Mm -hmm. although on the like the production side they made her fire blue so that when they did clash viewers could distinguish their fire better Right. But it, it, it's like one of those production things like that, that like using the creativity to solve a production issue in a way mm-hmm. that helps the story and elevates the story. And I, I love that. Yeah. But then her final attack, she was going to fucking lightning right at him. Yeah, like, she's... <laughs> holy, I like don't remember that. I was like, she was going to fucking kill him. She has no chill. She was going to kill him. No one wants him. <laughs> <laughs> The only reason their father would ever want him would be to lock him up where he can't embarrass them anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I guess she figured I'm just making it easier for my dad. He won't have to deal with even looking at him anymore. Yeah, like all of her fighting with him was like more evasive. And then, yeah, she shot off the warning flame. And then when the opportunity to strike happens... She literally, she just goes for the kill right away. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, what was that one I saw in the Avatar extras? They were like, Azula knows exactly where to strike Zuko in his feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's a real true. Avatar extra? Oh my yeah. god. The fight between them, I think, was, like you said, it was super impressive. She only bent the one time. Yeah. She bent once, but she just had the upper hand the entire time. Mm -hmm. It shows how much she's, at this point in the show, how much she outclasses Zuko. Yeah. Because I guess up to this point, you're supposed to have thought of him as a threat, even though, you know, he always had kind of like anti-hero tones. Elements. Yeah, to his character. The way Zuko was able to beat Zhao, where I'm like, oh my god, Azula would have eviscerated Zhao. And I would have paid to see that. Yeah. Totally. I would have 
have loved to have seen that. Oh, one a hundred percent. I just love to see Azula like kick <laughs> everybody's ass. Like. Yeah, yeah. It's such a difference too between Zhao and Azula. It's like yeah, Azula's a true ass villain. Oh yeah, like yeah, this makes Zhao look like a fucking kindergartner. Like, <laughs> who, like who wants to be a villain when he grows up? Yeah, yeah, because like with Zhao, you're just like this man is obnoxious yeah. and a jerk, and I hate him. But Azula, you're like, wow, she is a huge threat. Yeah, to everybody, and just like I don't know, perfect. She's like the perfect kind of villain. I yeah. think. Yes. I'm not trying to open this can right now, but mm-hmm. thinking about Zhao and Azula. Like, mm-hmm. I got, like, really strong, like, heteronormative gender vibes where it's, like, you know, Zhao was led by wanting title and class and pride and, like, you know, he's woefully underqualified for the job he had where it's, like, Azula is, like, a million times better than everybody. And it's partly because, like, she has to be. And I feel mm-hmm. like part of that is also just, like, you know, she's the next in line for the throne. So, like, yeah. she wants to be. That was, like, buzzing in the back of my head a tiny bit of just, like, she's so much more qualified than everybody at everything. Yeah. I mean, she's also, right. she's only 14. Yes. So she, she like, really... Wow shouldn't be yeah yeah it's like a problem too for sure yeah yeah i guess they don't tell you right away how old she is yeah because like i saw online a lot of people were like i thought that she was the older sibling or that she and zuko were twins but she's katara's age which is like nuts we got two 14 year old prodigies Mm -hmm. with like with older brothers that have inferiority complexes I mean, there's a lot of parallels between a lot of different characters on this show. Oh, yeah. Also, like, let's be real. Women rule the world of Avatar. Like, absolutely. absolutely. It's true. Yeah. 100%. I also noticed since we we're talking about Azula when she first came out they played that Fire Nation theme mm. but it was like slightly higher and kind of creepier sounding. I don't know enough about music to know like why it sounded different but watch it again and see. Like it was more unsettling. Yeah where it's like did they have that figured out yet or was that like did they decide after making that to like oh let's deepen it and then like that'll be like just the general theme for Fire Nation or something. Yeah I don't know. Because I guess like I mean I was watching and like reading stuff about music for this show and there's a lot of light motifs but like the fire nation definitely has the one it's like that do 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 thing mm. but hers it just sounded like a little off which like which is which is accurate yeah. <laughs> very accurate like a lot more <laughs> yeah, yeah. threatening sounding but anyway i feel like to to your point earlier too i feel like that's gonna be like the big thing up on this rewatch for you me and nicole is like being hyper aware of how young she is because as much mm. as we are praising her again let's like again you said that like she yeah. is 14 a lot of you know the reasons she's like this is, are not healthy that she's Mm-mm. like this is not healthy no so i think it'll be like a little more recontextualized this time around of just yeah. like these mm. children and i feel like we've been doing that in general but yeah like, def- definitely because now we're not the same age as them anymore yeah. right i definitely am looking forward to watching it because i feel like how i felt about her character is going to change because like yeah you know i always was like wow as well as a badass even back when i watched it the first time but uh-huh. i feel like i probably had a lot less sympathy for her as a character just because i feel like you know i saw things a little bit more in like black and white then mm-hmm. so i'm looking forward to seeing how i'll feel about her this time yeah i also love a sibling rivalry like there's just something about about it where like I can't wait for Zuko to redeem himself like because I, I know that that's what's gonna happen that's just like the way that these things go but yeah yeah, yeah I love to see just the underdog come up mm-hmm. because he's so taken aback by the fact that he was betrayed like that's fucked up like you can't it's just so fucked up but like yeah. I just can't help yeah. but like love that kind of plot line so it's like there's an acceptable level of sibling rivalry that's in everything yeah and yeah. then there's <laughs> 
And then yeah. there's how Azula handled it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I feel like that's true. I feel like, too, for the, the four of us, we all have siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You three have younger siblings, and I have an older one. There was that threshold of, like, when and how far to go with, like, each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, Azula just, like, the limit does not exist. Right. Like, no. It's yeah. like, how fucking dare you? Yeah. <laughs> she knows exactly what to say to get the exact reaction that she wants. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, if the positions were reversed, like, she would have seen through it in an instant. So mm-hmm. it's, like, thankfully, like, she does have her two advisors. There's, like, these two twin women who, like, they yeah. were there briefly when she was lightning bending, mm-hmm. you know. But it's, like, they still kind of are more passive where it's, like, yeah. if Zuko didn't have Iroh. <laughs> uh, especially this episode yeah. i can't even imagine all oh, we didn't really talk about zuko we might as well dive more into him i felt so bad for him because he wanted so badly for what she was saying to be true yeah he couldn't process it yeah no and like uncle iroh was trying to get it through to him but he just couldn't you know accept it or didn't want to hear it mm-hmm. and he was like very mean to him oh my gosh also can i just mention i liked that one scene when Aro was talking to zuko and he was trying to warn him that it might be lying he was like see you're nodding but you're probably thinking about him being like i care about you but that's not what i was gonna say <laughs> oh <laughs> no wholesomeness no i was thinking of the the, the scene with luten like the flashback with luten oh. oh oh my god that's also so, not what i was gonna say but yeah okay <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, like, oh, sorry there's so many things that could be yeah. said go, but sorry, go. They're so good. yeah the flashback and he comes and he's like you're my family okay no stop okay um <laughs> No, uh, I was just gonna say on a more on like a storytelling kind of level, you know, uh, visual storytelling and all that stuff. When Iroh is trying to warn Zuko yet again, like this could be a lie. And he says, in our family, things are not always what they seem. And in that shot, like in the foreground, you have Zuko and more specifically, you have like the scarred side of Zuko's face. Mm. Just like... Which I felt like that very much reminds you about how he got that scar because he misunderstood during the Agni Kai that it was going to be his dad. He didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And like that's also called back to like the last time he saw his father and it was also him being betrayed by a family member. Mm-hmm. I was just like, damn. You, you mentioning that just now also made me think. I feel like it also calls attention to the fact that Zuko isn't really what he seems either. Mm. Like, he's putting on... He's, like, trying so hard to be something that I feel like he's not. Right. Mm. Just so that he can go back home. And, like, the focus on that scarred side of him, which I feel like represents all of this trauma. I mean, like, literally. But, um, I don't know. That made me think maybe it also could have something to do with that. Like, he's not what he seems at this I point. I think that's true, though, too. Because it's, yeah. like, Iroh was somebody... Again, like, as much as we love Iroh, Iroh's also a war criminal... But, like, despite that, you know, he manages to hold on to his humanity through all of that. Yeah. And obviously, you know, for him, it came at great personal cost. Mm-hmm. And that was more the catalyst. So maybe, yeah. not to say that I don't think he would have come to it on his own, but that obviously was a big factor in it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, Hugo, this is also, I mean, literally the same thing. Like, something horrific happened to him, mm-hmm. and it set him down a different path. You have these people that their their base nature, I think, is, like, more gentle. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, they were into this super toxic family yeah i will say i really loved when zuko was walking down to the ship 
and then Uncle Iroh comes running after him, and he's like, mm. Uncle, you changed your mind, and he smiled at him. I was like, Zuko, look at your happy little face. Yeah. Like, so cute. And, you know, like, Uncle's really mostly going so that he can make sure Kick that- Kick ass and take yeah. games. Basically. Yeah. He fucking knew. Like, with the yeah, side eyes at all of the, the Fire Nation soldiers. Yeah. And then he beat up, there were like 20 behind them. And then like Zuko just like comes out and then they're all gone. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Zuko knocked out those two guys that were at the top of the walkway. And then he failed to do anything to Azula. And like, not only did Uncle Iroh beat up all those guys and then redirect Azula's lightning, he then like drop kicked her off, off, the boat. off of the boat. Yes. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, man. That's, like, not how I expected her to go down in this episode. No. Like, <laughs> I forgot. Literally. I forgot that that was what happened. So when he, like, kicked her and she went flying, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> he does not hesitate either. No. It's like, he had her number right from the start. Like, yeah. as soon as she showed up, like, he, his face immediately just darkened. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even, like, let's hear what she has to say. It was just bitch alert just went off. Yeah. Sorry, Zula. Yeah. This is sus. Like, nothing good can come out of this. Yeah. And she, like, shattered his shell. Rude. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I thought that was a euphemism for a second. Not even no. a weird one. <laughs> that was not a metaphor. Um, She literally <laughs> took one of his shells from his wonderful growing collection with her, like, sharp-ass nails. <laughs> oh, my God. She scratched Zuko in the fucking face. Did you yeah. notice that? Yeah, the three yeah. scratches over here. What a monster. Oh, my like, God. I was literally like, does she just sit there and file her nails, like, to a point? I mean, she does, because they are. But, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, I guess somebody else does, but... I bet she's, like, the warden from Holes, and she just, like, puts <gasps> venom on her nails <laughs> so that she can scratch people and poison them. Oh, my God, oh honestly. My God. Oh, man, that She'd would probably be... be like, that's a good idea, I should do that. <laughs> I could see her doing that. Apparently, they're actually, um, they're on the Suoku River. And that resort used to be a retreat for Earth Kingdom monks, but Not I anymore. guess the Fire Nation just colonial. Then, the, then everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. The Fire Nation's just like you don't need this building anymore. Actually, you don't need these monks anymore either. You don't need these monks. <laughs> you don't need this religion. We have this better religion for you. Damn. Let's be real. That's what went down. No monks allowed. I wanted to go to that resort, though. It was so gorgeous. Like, I want a massage. Was... The fuck? Yeah, it was really pretty. <laughs> Abby, I literally wrote that down in my note. <laughs> I want a massage. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Which, okay, hold on. So, <laughs> one, how did they survive on a raft for three weeks with no water or food? That's like, Zuko not... never gives up, Stephanie. He's that's not, not going to physically... die. <laughs> that's not physically possible. I, don't... I didn't bother and looking it And yet it is. Up. Is this the cartoon logic of this episode? I guess. Because I'm like, you die after a certain amount of time with no water. Well, to be fair, if they had like some kind of container or something, they could heat the water to disinfect it. Right. But they're on the ocean. Was it the ocean or were they? I don't know. I believe they were on the ocean because they were floating on that raft away from the North Pole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, they, I don't know, unless they found some way to like boil it and then get pure water. Yeah. I mean, they are firebenders, so... That's what I was saying, yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if anyone has the science except Sokka, so... Like a grill fish. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like 
Arrow would probably know yeah. that, like, life hack. Having served, like, fought in a war and whatever. Just when he said three weeks, I was like, what? How is that possible? <laughs> Cartoon logic. You know, they they draw their energy from the sun, like plants. True. Zuko is <laughs> photosynthesizing. There you go. And then at the end of the episode, he cut off his biggest leaf. Oh. <laughs> R.I.P. his hair. But also, thank God. Good riddance. Also, wait, so he just has, like, a patch of hair. Like, okay, sorry. I'm sure he shaved it off so that it would grow in evenly, but, like, hold on. Oh, my God, the final shot, like, the back shot of them, I was just like, you look so dumb. I know, I was just thinking that, too. I was like, this looks crazy. I did write, like, R.I.P. ponytail. Yeah. Like, um, Disney, they have rules where when Mickey Mouse is in a cartoon, there was a rule where you were never mm-hmm. allowed to see him from the top down, like a direct right. down shot of him. I was like, that should have been in Zuko's design book. It was like, you should never show him <laughs> from the back when his hair is cut. Like, for this one particular episode. <laughs> uh, Hold on. Not to go back to this and be annoying, but a human can go without food for about three <laughs> About three weeks, but would typically only last three to four days without water. But they could boil water. Right, they probably figured it out. I'm sorry. His quote was three to four weeks with no food or water. (laughs) He specified that they had no water. Maybe they were able to lightning fish or something or fire blast fish. I'm like, we saw Zhao fire blast a fish. (laughs) They probably meant no steady, reliable source of equal, easily obtainable. Maybe maybe just humans in this universe can last for three weeks without water. Let's just like, you know, that's fine. You know, maybe it's just it's a cartoon. We <laughs> haven't had that we haven't had that in a while, to be fair. That's like, we true. haven't had an issue with the show, like a logical yeah. like flaw with it that we've been like, this isn't accurate. Yeah, that's the only one thing that like piqued me in this episode where I was like, um <laughs> <laughs> Well <no>? actually. <laughs> <laughs> actually. But anyway. There was water all around them. Mm, true. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. Crap. Miko ran away. I was like, he pronounced the, he read the thing on the knife. Oh. Never give up without a fight. Yeah. yeah never give up without a fight. It's interesting because Miko struggled to translate that. And now I'm seeing, Miko, how do you say the knife translation again? Knife translation? Yeah. The translation of the knife? Yes. Read I- these characters. <laughs> Yeah, Feizan Bushi means, yeah, it never give up without a fight. Okay, I was saying you were having a hard time trying to translate it before. Yeah, it's like, Bushi means never give up. Feizan's like, if you, ne- like, never fight. So it's like, it, like, trying to construct it nicely, it's harder. That doesn't make sense, because it's like, well, you won't lose a fight if you never fight. Aha! No, like, never give up a fight. Yeah. Never give yeah. up without fighting, yeah. basically. Yeah. But it's kind of funny, because they chop up their ponytails. Yeah. Which uh-huh. is giving up technically. Oh, in Chinese culture? In some, no, not in Chinese culture. Nah. Just just in the fact that they're trying to hide their identity yeah. in some way. So like, isn't that giving up? No, but they're like fighting for their survival. Yeah, which, they're fighting for their survival. And that's like okay. symbolic of them cutting their, I mean, they're like, you know, Actually, now. Uh, jumping into the hair cutting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So I just wanted to say that obviously this cutting off their top knots, their hair, is something that is, I feel like, immediately recognizable to the average viewer, just from, like, you know, old Japanese movies and anime and stuff like that. Yes, and Mulan. Um, <laughs> but Mulan does it to disguise herself as a boy, so. Yes. Although that actually does tie into, anyway. But also, let me order this. Okay, the hair cutting. 
cutting off your top knot, traditionally speaking, it has roots in the Edo period of Japan and like the Meiji Restoration era, because samurai would traditionally wear their hair in top knots, uh, originally apparently to like support their helmets, but then it became a status thing. <laughs> I know, right? Their helmets were just held up by their hair. Like I don't know. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> And then when they cut it off, it signifies that they are not a samurai anymore. So that would happen a lot if they were like retiring to join priesthood or choose a life as a peasant. And later on, it started happening a lot more because the samurai were just paid like this rank based stipend that wasn't actually enough to live on. But samurai weren't allowed to work in the fields. So they had to stop being samurai in order to like get jobs, which sucks. Besides the symbolic sort of, uh, they're stepping away from their title. It also means a drastic decline in social status. So very much obvious uh, parallel with Zuko and Iroh here. Even today, obviously, we have some version of this. I mean, if we're sticking with Japan for a second, sumo wrestlers still wear the traditional samurai knots, and then they have this tradition where they cut off their top knot when they retire. Mm. So that's kind of fun. Um, there's a thing. This is where Mulan comes back for a second. Women. In Japan, apparently, will a lot of the time, they wear their hair really long when they're single, and then they cut it shorter when they have kids. I don't know what they do during the time in between that. Uh, <laughs> which apparently goes back to, like, the Heian period, um, because long hair was super prized, and, like, courtesans would wear it to the ground or something. Obviously, that's not a hard rule, because this is 2020. In general, obviously, a haircut, especially a drastic haircut, is known everywhere not just japan as a sort of symbolic of a big life change kind of deal but another note that i happened to see because i wrote all that down just being like oh yeah you know hair cutting and then i saw in the avatar trivia or something like that that them cutting off their hair by the river sort of is a parallel to the journey of the buddha yeah, and that was just, you know, Prince, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Siddhar yeah. Siddhartha. Oh, Siddhartha, yeah. Cut off his hair near a river when he was given up the happiness of the palace and whatnot. All right, that's a whole bunch of history about haircutting, but that's interesting. I also wanted to say that this might be, you know, high school English class logic here, but I was looking at it and I was like, oh, beyond the obvious with the haircutting symbolism, I feel like, especially Zuko using that knife, his knife to do it sort of foreshadows a lot of his upcoming arc this season uh -huh. because this knife we later find out is a knife from the earth kingdom it says on it both never give up without a fight on one side and uh made in earth kingdom on the other side and <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> yes and it was a knife belonging to an earth kingdom general or something that iroh defeated during the siege of bossing say and sort of like uh what's that word for when you just take things from loot? someone who caught you who conquer <laughs> oh i mean i don't know but i know what you mean i think looting is yeah. the word yeah yeah <laughs> yes yes he took it as like a, a war prize so i was sort of like oh this is a lot of foreshadowing here because zuko is about to get a lot of the groundwork for his metamorphosis in this second season where he's going to be in the earth kingdom He's going to be experiencing hardship and coming to understand more like how the war and the Fire Nation has affected the Earth Kingdom. So I just was like, oh, wow, look at all these little things that 
relate to this knife if I if I wanted to stretch it for like my high school <laughs> my high school English class paper. <laughs> You're like, I have two hundred words, but the paper needs a thousand. Better get cracking. <laughs> <laughs> double space, twelve point five font. Double. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my god. <laughs> I also noticed that Zuko was a lot more hesitant when it came to cutting his hair off. Mm. And I feel like you could see that kind of like inner turmoil on his face Mm. when he was like looking at his hair and letting it go down the river. But Uncle Iroh just like lopped that shit right off immediately. Like no hesitation. It also really illustrates like how differently the two of them feel about where they're at. Yeah. You know, and I feel like Uncle Iroh really, his whole thing is that he's just trying to stick with Zuko. And yeah, well, Zuko. I feel like, yeah, like with Iroh, it's like the best thing that happens. And with Zuko, it's the worst, right? Yeah, definitely. I do think if we want to pop over to the A-plot, I do think Oh, that- wait, wait, really quick. So I mm-hmm. mentioned Mulan because when the original animated movie aired in, in China, there were a bunch of other reasons why it didn't do well, but mm-hmm. when the scene where she cuts her hair obviously is like a really dramatic scene and it's like one of the more badass moments in the film, but in China mm-hmm. it got laughed because it was not accurate to Chinese culture. And part of it's because at that time period, men wore their hair long. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's her, true. Her cutting her hair short to look like a boy wouldn't have been accurate. So that's why they laughed. Taking that aside, that's still like a big symbolic gesture. And of course, it was still the practicality of it was her disguising herself as a boy to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Western audience that it was made for. Let's be real. That's yeah. all. Although I was like, she disguises herself as a boy by cutting her hair short and then putting it in a bun. Yeah. A neat bun. And I'm like, that's hard to do when you have shorter hair. It needs to be longer <laughs> to put it in a neat bun like that. Uh, uh, it's true. For another pick. show. Yeah. <laughs> um... Actually, sticking with Zuko for a second, you get to see Uncle Iroh and Zuko's wanted poster Yeah, in this episode briefly. And I just want to talk about how petty the Fire Nation is for a second. <laughs> so there's only a few characters where you actually get to see what the show creators or I guess they had a calligraphy expert on yeah. the show. So I, I don't know who decided what Chinese characters they assigned to the characters' names. But Zuko is interesting because his name is written two different ways in the show. So mm-hmm. the way that we're going to see later in the Tales of Bossing say on the title card for his section, I assume is probably what his real name is, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like, that's kind of like a, it's like the show is telling you that information, not someone within the show. More objective. And the characters in that episode, and that some taking this information off the Avatar Wiki mean like awaken or I also looked up, it also can mean like resurrection and rank, but as in like status or something like, or category or something like that. But the characters that his name is written on the wanted poster are Ancestor Robber. Bless. Bless. Wow. <laughs> I was like, um, that's really nice. So passive aggressive. Yeah. Iroh's name is written the same way on both the wanted poster and his title card for Tales of Bossing Say, but Zuko had those two different things and I thought that was very uh interesting I'm like whoever wrote that um well I guess it's you know a decree by the fire lord so he's letting everybody know how he feels yeah (laughs) and that's why future CEOs found family is the most powerful family yes (laughs) (sighs) I feel like this episode sets up a lot for like what the overall Mm, conflict in this season is going to be for Aang as well. 
Yeah. And it's like right in the title. Yeah. The Avatar State Word. is like the big thing in this season. That was so fucked up how like we're, I'm transitioning now, but like it was just so fucked up the General Fung's method was. Yeah. I was like, what the, like, yeah, let's threaten everything you love, fucking dick. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was all like crazy fun (laughs) antics until he realized like, this isn't working, so we're just going to go to the extreme. Yeah. Yeah. And not think about the consequences of that at all. Nope. Like, you just made him, like, so angry. What do you think he's gonna do? He's angry oh, at you. Yeah. Right. When he was, like, surprised that Aang was attacking the thing yeah. that, like, lodged him into a rage. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, you did it! And it's like, bitch, it's not how I want to do that! Yeah. <laughs> no, and then he even was like, oh, all we have to do is figure out how to control it. Like, he didn't... <sighs> yeah. There was no regret, even after he got attacked. No. No. Sidebar, voiced by Daniel Day Kim. Yeah, Daniel yes. Day Kim. I knew instantly. I was like, that's Daniel Day Kim. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, oh, I did the thing where I could tell right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was so frustrating because I feel like there's such like a mix. I guess that's life too of of very incompetent adults and, mm-hmm. you know, competent ones. And I feel like one of the things we talk about a lot in this is how this shouldn't be left to kids, mm-hmm. but it is. And like part of that is just because it's a show made for kids, so it's going to have kids. But then also, I think there is like an argument to be made where there is something good about kids being able to just see things more clearly than adults and not get caught up in bullshit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, this was just like hardcore, like one of those moments where it's like, oh, they are so much better off without adults in so many situations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Aang just getting pretty influenced by, is it Commander or whatever? I don't know. By Fong. General. General. And then coming to his own conclusions like you know what no i'm gonna do this the right way he -hmm. was so fucking manipulative and like i understood where he was coming from from the like people are dying yeah is there any way to speed this up like i understand asking that question but then not respecting the answer is like yeah yeah Yeah, like that's how i feel about it too where i'm like i get where he's coming from like a hundred percent because he's been living this war yeah yeah for however long and first time they really acknowledge like casualties too yeah mm-hmm. but i'm sorry i cut you off no no it's fine no that's a good point he sees this fast track to ending everything and even to the point about them being kids and it shouldn't be up to them i feel like he just doesn't see ang as like a person mm, that's a good point or like a child right. like he's yeah. a weapon to yeah. him and it's frustrating because you're like i get it and you want the war to end as soon as possible, but you have to listen to what this person is telling you. Like, I can't do what you want me to do, and it's not safe. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's just like, ends justify the means kind of deal, where he's like, if I can just win the war right now, and all I have to do is make a 12-year-old cry, <laughs> then mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, I was, like, so enraged this episode. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember this being the first episode of season two, but when I mm. realized it was the one with this guy, I was just, like, instantly, like, oh, like, fuck this episode. <laughs> Forgetting Azula's introduced in that part, like, heavily made up for it, but I just remember how much I hated him. And even now, like, understanding, again, a little more, like, where he's coming from, I still, like, feel the same way. Like, I'm still like, no, fuck you. Oh, yeah, no. He completely like went about it the wrong especially at the end when he was like happy about the fact he got ang to go into the avatar state yeah i'm like you didn't learn your lesson right yeah and you totally deserve Sokka to like knock you out yeah it's just like ang was literally on his knees pleading with this person yeah and like yeah like to your point it's just like he did not see a human like no when that was happening mm-hmm 
Like, the whole time he was like, you know, Katara's not dead, it's fine. And it's like, no, it's not fine. You continuously manipulated this person mm-hmm. to get what you want, and that's just not how things work. <laughs> you just don't operate no. that way. Right. It's like, even from the very beginning, he's just like, oh, well, then it's decided. Right. We'll help you invoke the Avatar State. And all the kids yeah. stand up, they're like, wait, what? So oh, yeah. Yeah, just when he was like, you're ready to fight the Fire Lord now. <laughs> like... Immediately. Yeah. And that was even just like him completely disregarding higher orders, you know, where it's like his job was to escort Aang to Boomy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then he this is all just like him. Like I feel like not for nothing. I'm like, if Boomy found out about this stuff, I feel like this would have been a moment where we saw Boomy actually get serious and be like, fuck you. Right. There were a couple interesting cuts in this episode where there were some really nice parallels between Aang and Zuko. Mm-hmm. There were two shots where, like, Zuko grunted and then the sound kind of blended together and then it was like Aang was grunting. And, like, there was another one now, I can't remember, I didn't write it down. But, like, there were a couple, like, I think they both got hit at the same, like, and it, like, cut, like, it cut on the action from one of them getting hit to then the other one get mm-hmm. hit. Oh. And I feel like we've been seeing, you know, the the parallels between them are strong yeah yeah and you know that started with the storm and probably before that yeah but it was just like interesting it's it's always fun to see that like visually as well agree i mm-hmm. actually wrote that yeah. down in one of the scenes that i liked it was when Anne ang descends into the avatar's tate and then goes vertical and then it cuts to zuko jumping up onto azula's ship and i thought that that was really cool and caught my attention yeah right and also this wasn't necessarily a visual parallel but I noted that Azula, when she's talking to her crew at the beginning, she's like, you may have misgivings about attacking members of the royal family, but you should. And then I thought of that again later on when General Fong had all his soldier guys attack Aang. And I just felt like I heard it in my head, even though he didn't actually say it in the episode. I wonder if before this, they had a speech where he was like, some of you may feel misgivings about attacking the Avatar and also a 12 year old child but don't Mm. like they almost had them hesitating and i don't know if that was just like the drawings where it was because it was like a faraway shot when they started Mm -hmm, moving because it seemed like they did that's why i thought about it i was like these soldiers might not want to do this Yeah, it was weird because it's just like uh isn't this the opposite of like like don't we want this person to help us right (laughs) i mean obviously they were dissatisfied because like what steph said when Sokka knocked him out like none of them protested oh yeah I love that. Does anybody have a problem with this? <laughs> no, like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, no, you're good. Yeah. Go ahead. Do do you do you still want one of us to, to escort you or we, we yeah. get it if you don't? Yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, yeah, we don't. <laughs> oh man. With Aang um, and his nightmares. I think there was one funny oh, part at the beginning oh. of the episode though, because I, I feel him like nightmares, you don't want to talk about it. But then Katara said, Hey, what's going on? Is do you want to talk about what's happening? He said no. And then he goes on like a five minute explanation. (laughs) I wrote that down too. I was like, do you want to talk about it? No. Proceeds to talk about it. (laughs) My favorite. Uh, Me at my therapist. (laughs) His nightmares were uh, pretty intense. Yeah. I really felt bad for him. They do a really good job of illustrating his avatar state related trauma. Right. But I'm actually like kind of surprised that they didn't talk more about specifically what happened at the North Pole. 
in regards to Aang's whole pacifist nature. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Kind of getting chucked out the window. Yeah, like I, you know, like obviously they're showing that he has a lot of trauma and fear about entering the Avatar state and not really having control of his body and like doing yeah. these violent things. But I kind of was like, you know, I don't think I ever thought this before watching the show again now, but I was kind of like, I w- expected them to at least have talked about it a little bit because he killed yeah. a lot of people. And there's an argument that it wasn't really him. And I kind of feel like that. Like, it's not really him. It was the spirit, the ocean spirit acting through Aang as like a conduit. But I felt like he must have some sort of guilt. I felt like they were showing that guilt without having him talk about that specific part of it. Like, it would kind Mm -hmm. of get brought up and he would sort of sidestep, like... When Fong was like, oh, you mm. had great power with North Pole. I heard you just, like, destroyed the entire Fire Nation fleet. And Aang was just like, I try not to think about that. Yeah. But then he, then he like, never brings it up in the waking world. It's just, like, when he has nightmares right. is yeah. when it comes out. I guess I read his tone when he said that as more, like, flippant. Like, he wasn't like, oh, yeah, I try not to think about it. He was like, oh, I try not to think about the amount of power I have was how I read the tone mm-hmm. of the voice. Uh, I just felt like I read it as like, even though he used the tone that was kind of casual, I was like, yeah. but it's truth. <laughs> like, I mean, it is true. I mean, I think like, that's just like when you're talking to someone you don't really know and you don't want them to know how you're actually feeling about, you know, mm-hmm. like, that's a vulnerable part of him where it's like, I brush things off that are like heavier. Yeah. Cause it's like, I don't want to get into it with you. I don't fucking know you. Mm-hmm. I guess also it's hard for the show to have him acknowledge. Yeah, I killed a bunch of people. But because especially like later on, they go a lot into his like unwillingness to commit murder and kill mm -hmm. people. So I guess like I'm just surprised it never gets brought up again, like in specifics. Yeah. Like I don't blame the show for not doing it because it is kind of like dark and they do visually represent, you know, how he feels about it through his nightmares. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I did think it was very... He was afraid of himself. And mm-hmm. some, like, a random little thing that I noted that I thought was kind of interesting was that his, like, terrifying nightmare, scary avatar self also breathed fire. And, he, like, he was mostly just glowing. He wasn't doing much bending. But then he breathed fire. And I was like, oh. So this yeah. is kind of tying back into his whole fear of fire bending, specifically mm-hmm. because it hurts people mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to hurt people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he saw himself scaring Zuko in his dream. Yeah. Zuko being, obviously to us, the audience who keeps seeing Zuko's individual plots, we see Zuko as this other character with all vulnerabilities and stuff. But Aang, uh, at this point, and, and Sokka and Katara mostly see Zuko just as their big enemy. Yeah. Their big scary enemy who keeps chasing them. So it was kind of interesting to me that in Aang's nightmare, he goes to attack Zuko and that doesn't feel powerful or anything like that. That's just also scary mm-hmm. that he has that kind of capability. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds like Aang's anxiety is in, in these moments, he has no control. Yeah. Like, he can't control fire. He isn't in control of his body. He doesn't like have his own will when he's in the Avatar state. Like, mm-hmm. and as the Avatar, so much of his life is predetermined. Like, the conversation we've had and Steph brought up before, too, where it's, like, people don't see him as a person. Part of it's because, like, he's not he's not a normal person. He mm-hmm. still is a human, but, like, he's more than that, too. Right. And again, it's, like, he has bigger responsibilities and bigger things, and that just sounds like a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Real. I feel like Katara said it really well when she was explaining to him why she didn't like this plan. Yeah. And she was saying it was really <gasps> scary to see you feeling that much pain and anger and you turn into someone who was not yourself Mm -hmm. yeah because i think that's the crux of it is that 
he can't control it and it's not him it's like he's just acting on some extreme emotion yeah yeah He's just like the average of like a thousand people's votes of like, it's like that, it's like that Twitch Pokemon game where like all the avatars are like, <laughs> everyone hit left! And then it's just like, maybe he'll go left, maybe he'll go right. Like, <laughs> I haven't thought about that. <laughs> that was an experience. Yeah. Damn. But yeah, it's just like, you know, it, it literally, it's like the average of like what all of these past avatars are feeling, you know, mm-hmm. I assume. Yeah. And and, and you know, later in the show, of course, we learned that, you know, they're still all very different people that have very different takes on how he should handle situations. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I get, but it's like kind of just a, a mess. And he's just like, this isn't what I would do. Mm. Right. I feel like the, this is changing the subject slightly, but the whole visual when roku was explaining about the avatar state ang was like so stunning yeah 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 not even just i mean the feats of bending that they showed with the past avatars was cool but it was more like all the avatars were in the clouds yeah they were flying by and then that line of them it's just i don't know i really like that like it's ex- it's all exposition but it's so beautifully presented that you can't even really be like mad right. about yeah. it also like how fast or slow is that happening in time? Because at this point, right? No, like, right. At I, wrote that down. <laughs> I was like, he's literally in the Avatar state destroying stuff. And he goes on a spiritual journey with Roku. Right. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, is, is the time slow down? All right. Clearly Stephanie and I didn't I question didn't... it. And you two are like, what the fuck? I didn't question it at all. Well, then he came back and he was just kind of barricaded by a little wind. Right. So I was like, okay, all right. I guess I'll accept that. Yeah. I was too hung up on the three weeks at sea. <laughs> I'm just jaded from working in cartoons. I'm just there you like, go. yep, doesn't make sense. Gonna be in the movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna say that time slowed down, I guess. Where he has the yeah. leisure to, like, fly with to Roku. To go on a field trip with Roku, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do think that generally there's an argument for like you do a bunch of spiritual stuff or like mental stuff and that kind of thing can happen a lot faster in the real world than it seems in your spiritual world mindscape thing mm-hmm. but then again they also have times where he goes to the spirit world and he's just there for like ever and everyone's guarding his body that that's why i was confused because like in the season finale book one he was mm-hmm. just out <laughs> yeah yeah and god knows how long that took like we have no idea <laughs> Yeah. It was long enough for Zuko to kidnap Spike Katar. The sun came up. He kidnapped him, climbed up a cliff and like across the tundra. So he was in there for a while. But he had to deal with like Ko. So I think it was more like he was actually doing things where this time it was like Roku just like took his mind and was like, here, let me just explain some shit. Honestly, I feel like that's the thing I bumped on. Because like I kept laughing because I was like, oh, Roku was probably like waiting for him to go into the Avatar state to take him on this field trip. And then it was like the last time he was in it, like Roku was like, oh, this is important. I'm going to leave him alone. He's got other stuff to do. And then this time he was like, oh, this is fucking stupid. Like, here, I'm going to take, I'm taking his, he's just like, this is dumb. I'm going on a trip. There's no real danger. Yeah, because I, I felt like the exposition again, yeah, I feel like it was distributed really well. But mm-hmm. I did, I had a moment where I was like, was there a better time 
for this because it did still feel a little bit weird that Roku just like swooped in was like I have to tell you some stuff because I have to set up season two like you know maybe I mean I feel like there is an argument to be made that Aang may not necessarily have been in the spirit world during that conversation because he was just talking to Avatar Roku about other avatars it's all just him Mm -hmm. so when he's in the avatar state he's calling on all his past lives so maybe it's just like he has to be in the avatar state for Roku to more easily talk to him. Yeah, it's just like yeah, the rules like they always they slightly change the rules. It can be different rules than going to the spirit world if right. it's just yeah. in his mindscape. It like doesn't matter. Yeah, right. I guess in the avatar state, I guess because he is calling upon all of the avatars, like that's the only opportune moment. Whereas if he was just having a nightmare, Roku could just like pop in and be like, "Let's explain this." <laughs> oh my god, no. <laughs> Wait, I'm trying to remember. It would have been funny if there was like the line of all the avatars and then Roku turned and started talking to him. It was like, I have to explain this. And the other ones are like, we have to just stand here quietly. Why can't we talk to him? Let me be part of the conversation. No, Jen, you're thinking of it the wrong way. All The avatar before Roku was Kiyoshi, you know, all the other avatars are probably just like, we don't have time for this. Roku, if you really want to be a soft heart and like counsel the kid, that's your problem. Well, I feel like Kiyoshi would have been like, Fong is right. Like, you should just go fucking kill him. Like, let's be real. She kept quiet because she was like, I can tell I'm not helping you because I agree with what's happening. You know, it's funny. I haven't read it. But Rise of Kiyoshi came out. And apparently she's like a big softy. That's exciting. I know. I'm like, I really want to read it. I want to too, but but I haven't gone to my local library in a while. I haven't tried to see if it's at my library. Yeah. Soon. Mine has both because there's two books in the Kiyoshi series mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Oh my God. The there's the novels, not the comics that we're talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about. Yeah. I'm still stuck on that. Like all the avatars. Like it's like an avatar all staff meeting. Like who can make it? <laughs> who can present something? Like we just need to fill in five minutes of you just like doing some shit. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll do it. Like, we need a brainstorm session. I know. Avatar Roku, someday he's going to be like, guys, help. Aang is asking me for dating advice, and they're going to be like, that's your problem. You should have started talking to him when he was 12. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because it's like that, like, is important information this season for sure. But it's like definitely not important enough that I was like, oh, I wonder if if there had been like a more graceful spot to put it in. But also like, Mm. again, it's like this whole thing was about the Avatar state. Yeah. Yeah. Like the other thing more naturally came up like kind of a plot point or like something important that comes back later is, of course, Paku at the beginning giving Katara the water in the vial. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that's a clear setup. Yeah. Why didn't he give her more? I know. That's such a tiny vial. Yeah. I know. I was like, give her more of that. You have like a whole pond. Um, like, at least on. she got something. Unlike a I certain somebody. Like, <laughs> Ugh, a pat Sakura on the shoulder. On shoulder. Oh my god. No one wants a pat from Paku. Don't touch oh us. God. I feel like Paku was just like, oh, I never really got to know the third one. Like, <laughs> whatever. It's fine. Oh my gosh. That was he so was funny. like, right before that meeting, he was like writing Sokka's name on his hand so he didn't mess it up. Sokko. Soko. So- Soka. He's Soka. reading those Netflix subtitles. Oh, did you yeah, guys see Soka. Emperor Fung versus Fung? Yeah, I did. I, I like, noticed that. Instead name? of Fung, it said Fung. So funny. Ugh. I was like, wait. And then it made me second guess myself. But then I looked online later. That's literally like, right. right. That's, yeah, same. It's Fung. <laughs> that has me thinking of that butterfly meme where I'm just like, is this racism? But I'm just like, no, Jen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Purely coincidence this time around. Let's hope so. <laughs> or else the Fongs and the Fongs are going to have some issues. 
Yes. <laughs> oh, I really enjoyed that when they first got to the stronghold or whatever it was, that not only did they announce Aang, Sokka, and Katara's names, but also Appa and Momo got a shout out. <laughs> Appa, oh, not that. Appa and Momo were first. Yeah, they were first. <laughs> I noted that down, actually. All right. Is there anything else that we want to talk about? I feel like Sokka was funny this episode, but like, there's not like, a lot. Like, it was less about him being made fun of, and like, he just had a bunch of really funny lines. Yeah, like, and it was else. just like, I don't think I'm gonna do this. And Sokka's like, okay. And I'm just like, you're so like. He was like, that's fine. I don't know. Sokka with his hair down? Yeah. I was, I was like, like, this is the first time we see hmm. hair down Sokka. Yeah. 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 It's a good look. It's a good look. I didn't think those chocobo, like, ostrich bird things could like jump that high run up a wall or like yeah, whatever it was that they did <laughs> they like, higher I, than ang could airball yeah <laughs> i was just like i don't think like that Air okay theater. that was my cartoon logic no i don't think this is anatomically accurate for what these are presented as i did not look up the ostrich horse you mentioned ostrich horses in a previous episode yeah yeah but like anatomically i was like they shouldn't be able to do this but i was also like <laughs> fucking whatever the momentum yeah <laughs> allowed them to climb up the wall also, Sokka, when he was like, oh, just glow it up and stop that fire lord. That was Katara, wasn't it? Like, no, Sokka said that first and then Katara was pissed. So she's like, yeah, whatever, just glow oh, it up. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Yeah. I was like, I was, like happy Sokka. about her. I felt like Katara, like again, we talked about it before, but her talking to Aang mm-hmm. about a situation where I've had previous issues with like how she dealt with him. Like, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, like, look at us. We're all learning and growing. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah, I feel like she handled it really well because she didn't get mad at him really at all. Like, she was just kind of more like, I can't watch you hurt yourself like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really mature way of handling it and being like, I don't agree with what you're doing, but she didn't like yell at him. Yeah. I said the only mo moment we had was him being shoved down Sokka's shirt. Oh my God. (laughs) To scare Aang. Apparently that was called in the writer's room or whatever. They called that Momaka or something weird like that. No. I read that too, and I was like, that doesn't make any That's sense weird. to me. Nope. Momo. Because Sokka, oh, Sokka's name's oh. It's not, it's a different, we don't I was like, like it's it. a different no. O than Mo, right. Mo though. Well, yeah. I was like, are you supposed to say Momaka, or are you supposed to say Momoka? Can I wasn't not sure. discuss their ship name? Not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like so a ship weird. name, no! <laughs> don't take it there, Jen. Don't be weird. Don't make it weird. It's not my fault. It's literally the writer's room's fault if they called it that. Also, did you know that this episode had four writers? There was oh, so many so people. Yeah. yeah, that's surprising. I, I, yeah. Now that you said that, I remember seeing the credits, but I didn't even like register that. They said it was like, that's more than any episode until Tales of Bossing said. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Tales of Bossing Say makes sense because it's a bunch of separate stories. Yeah. yeah, the only I clocked, it was directed by Giancarlo Volpe. Mm-hmm. And I only, I'm like, oh, he won an Emmy recently for Dragon Prince. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I, and like, he's like really funny on Twitter. He gives out a lot of fun <coughs> avatar. All right. So, anyone got any MVPs this episode? Mine was Azula. <laughs> 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 like, she's iconic. Like, that's it. That's literally it. I was like, finally, she's here. Um, and then runner-up was Zuko's ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. Zuko's ponytail. R.I.P. Like, we had a lot of fun roasting you. Um, (laughs) Yo, she's giving a eulogy. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, that's it. That's all I'm going to say about it. Oh, my God. (laughs) Mine was Aang. It was fun to roast you and you're gone. Okay. Mine was also Aang. Mine was, um... (laughs) 
Mine was, this is a little silly because they didn't actually do much. Mine was Appa and Momo because of how when he introduced them, he was like, Appa, Momo, and then he names the others. And then at the very end, when they were like, do you still want an escort? And they were like, we think we're good. And then like, cue Appa and Momo coming into the shot. Cute. I was like, that was Honestly, perfect though, timing. Where the fuck was Momo? No, not even Momo. Where the fuck was Appa when Aang was being attacked? <laughs> <laughs> I know the last few episodes gave us so much Momo defending Aang in yeah. battle, and uh, Appa was sleeping. He was busy. I guess Appa so. was taking a break. Yeah. He was like, "Listen, I've been flying a lot." Yeah. Um, All right. What about favorite moments, lines? For me, obviously, I had to go with Azula's iconic line about the tides. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's just my. Is that everybody's? Actually, no, because I figured somebody else would pick it. It's another Azula line, though. <laughs> when she first is talking to them, and then Uncle Iroh is like, I'm sure Zuko just needs time. She's like, don't interrupt, Uncle. Like, I just can't help but laugh every time. <laughs> she just, like, yells at him. She's like, you're not a part of this conversation. <laughs> Basically. She's like, shut up. Because I guess, like, he is the biggest threat to her getting her way in this yeah, situation. Yeah, that's true. So the less that he talks, the better for her. Yeah, Azula's line for sure, but I also, we mentioned it before, but it was the, seeing the other avatars, like, this was the first time we saw, like, Kurok and, like, mm-hmm. um, Yang Chen and mm-hmm. Zeto, 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 I don't know how to say his name, but, like, the fire dude. Um, yeah. That's not Roku. Yeah, so it was, like, it was really cool, because, like, there's so much mythology in this show, and, mm-hmm. like, it's, it, like, starts kind of thing, or, it, you know, obviously, it's been happening, but it's, like, just to actually see them is, like, really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then mine was just the, when Aang said he doesn't want to talk about it, but then he does. I was like, that's a mood. <laughs> yeah. That's a mood. That was so funny. <laughs> that's so oh, funny. <laughs> our sweet, sweet child. Oh, and our honor count went up this it episode. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. My honor. <laughs> yes. I want my honor. Honor count went up by one. We are now at five. Five. Wow. Season two oh. and we're at five. <laughs> We should have been tracking something else, like number of times Zuko died. We didn't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know. We were expecting a lot more. Or like the ratio of like Sokka being a badass versus Sokka being like the punching bag. Yeah. <laughs> Amount of times that Sokka gets attacked for no reason and with no self. Yeah, for real. Because like not for nothing and not to bring up problematic fave Harry Potter, but like that was something too where it's like Ron like in the books at least you know Ron was always like oh like he's like the dumb friend and he's like blah 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 and it's like when people actually started doing like dialogue analysis it was just like Ron was like carrying just as much exposition and like mm-hmm. was just as knowledgeable as like Hermione was uh, uh, you know it was just like he's not actually it's just like how it's like the part the what the things you remember are like the the funny dumb parts yeah yeah people slept on Ron one of my friends hated him and I was like but he's such a good boy it made me sad <laughs> she's like he's dumb and useless i was like no he isn't yeah but anyway i mean it probably doesn't this- help that in the movies they gave a lot of ron's smart moments to hermione yeah oh. yeah, they did. yeah they did. ron is the sock of like no but i mean like i feel like Harry that Potter. is it because when yeah, i first the first time i watched it and we talked it about is. this in the last episode because we all were like oh shit like sokka as like a, mm-hmm. an mvp of the season because yeah. mm-hmm. it was like so unexpected because i feel like we all remember sokka as like oh yeah he got better as the seasons went but it's like no like he like yeah. He been. He's the best. Yeah. On that note. Oh, wait. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Should I take us out? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Um, this has been Pod Sing Say, an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. 
Thanks for listening, and join us again next week when we will be discussing Book 2, Chapter 2, The Cave of Two Lovers. Uh, If you enjoy Podsing Say, please rate and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Until next time, don't let the caving get you down. Stop. Oh my gosh. Wait, can we keep this version in? Don't let the caving get you down, sucker.